You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Year coming up momentarily. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. The moment has finally finally come we are going to hand out the award for the Michelob ultra player of the year we've been going through the nominees first we talked about miles bridges second we talked about terry rogier third we talked about lamello ball then we gave the honorable mention love we tried to go through the stretches that certain individuals had gordon hayward having a substantial stretch in the first half of the season pj had his month cody zeller had his moments here and there we tried to give some love to the other guys that performed well for a brief moment but those three players seemed like the players that you would give this award to Maybe Gordon Hayward just didn't feel like he played enough games, but it was a close call. So Mm -hmm. that's why we put the other option on the poll. Go visit us at Locked on Hornets on Twitter. That's the handle. We put out the poll really just a couple of minutes ago as of this recording. Um, People are already hopping on it. Got a decent amount of votes to jump this thing off. People have used it as a launching pad. So LaMelo, Terry, Miles, and other are your options right now. Too early to say exactly who is out there in front um, with, with any kind of uh, with any kind of substance here? It's Lamelo and Terry. I think uh, actually forty one point seven percent apiece. Miles did get a couple of votes. Other has received zero so far. So it seems like we picked the right guys. No surprise there. Um, yes. But we got that vote out there. So not a. We're gonna give our awards out. We're gonna give that. This is it. This is who we're going to decide, and then we'll also say tomorrow um, who the fans voted for and yes, give exactly. them their day. Um, but look, you know, those are the three players. I have a feeling I know who you were going to go with. We talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit earlier, but I had a feeling this was the guy you were going to vote for it anyway. But let's make it official. You're on the record, Nada. Who are you giving your Michelob Ultra Player of the Year award to? I've never really been one to give a like basically give a half season's effort for or a really good like half season's effort for a big moment and for some reason I cannot um I for for whatever reason I can't help myself but Miles Bridges won it for me like I just think about the tagline to our corporate overlord to help give us this content and we thank you especially during the summer months. But um, when you think about it, who has sparked joy the most this season for me? And it's got to be Miles Bridges. I mean, between the Capella poster, between the, um, between the Capella poster, between him stepping up and giving big moments down the stretch, bet- after being one of the few to actually show up to that playing game, I personally don't mind, like, I think if the idea is who was the guy that you enjoyed watching the most over the entire course of the season, it's just got to be Miles Bridges. I'm sorry. 
the way he played, the, the moments he gave us, for me, it, it's Miles Bridges and in a very close race. The guy that I think you are going to go with is probably would have been my close second. Yeah. Um, I think all three are deserving in their own ways, which is very cliche, very boring to say. But with that being said, LaMelo Ball takes it home for me. If you want to talk about sparking joy, if you want to try to stick true to the tagline of Michelob Ultra, LaMelo Ball is the guy that gave me the most joy throughout yes. the entire season. Terry Rozier had his moments. Him playing big time in clutch situations, that was a lot of fun to watch. You are not wrong by saying Miles Bridges sparked joy. If you are the best in-game dunker, as dubbed by Stephen A. Smith and probably a lot of other people that just don't have the high profile that Stephen A. does, then you are going to spark a lot of joy. But you also have to produce on the court, and that's what these three players did. Terry having a crazy hot shooting maybe two-thirds of the season before he took yes. that dip. But then he even got it back together a little at the end of the season as well. Not against the Pacers. Nobody did. But towards the end of the season, the shooting numbers started to take a tick back up. Miles Bridges, I thought, was just rock solid in whatever role was asked of him. At the beginning, James Brago did not put that much responsibility on him. But he was hitting threes at a pretty high clip. Never dipped too much. You didn't see the roller coaster numbers for him. He was just pretty solid with his efficiency, scoring the basketball here and there when asked of him, being able to facilitate, being able to improve team defense wise. Those guys are worthy. I don't have any problems with them winning it if it's you giving them the award or if it's any of the listeners. But LaMelo sparked the most joy for me by far. And we've already kind of broken him down. He's actually going to be our player evaluation today. So he'll mm -hmm. be the subject of the conversation the next two segments. But not a, if you just want to dive into it a little more, um, you look at what he did before the injury. Those efficiency numbers yeah. are very good um, for a rookie coming into the league. You look at him shooting 45% from the field, almost 38% from three. He averaged 16 points, six rebounds, six assists. Uh, even the free throw percentage, he was shooting three attempts per game. I think that goes up next season, but three attempts per game, it's not bad for a rookie to come in, try to be aggressive, and he shot 79% from the free throw line before the injury. The injury, when he came back, the efficiency numbers went down. The counting yeah. stats were kind of the same, but the efficiency numbers went down. And so if you want to have that be a part of the uh, conclusion at the end of the season, then understandable. But LaMelo was just so fun to watch. He had such a big impact on the game. I thought he's somebody that also allowed Miles Bridges to blossom. They they both did such a good job together on the court. And then I think that was a springboard for Miles, maybe pun intended, when LaMelo was out and Miles took that big step up. I also thought Terry Rozier was better having LaMelo get the basketball in his hands, set Terry up for some three-point opportunities. I just think LaMelo had a bigger impact on the other two player of the year candidates than vice versa for Melo. And, and, and for me, if you bring that kind of enjoyment, if you're just talking about even the future enjoyment, right? Like it's not even yeah. the present. We can even talk about, oh God, this is our chance at a superstar. This is it. Mm. But LaMelo Ball, he wins player of the year. Uh, given out to Michelob Ultra for me, and we can dive into it a little more and discuss the uh, fantastic rookie of the year, the guy that actually took home some legitimate, tangible hardware, rookie of the year with his boy Miles giving it to him. That was really cool. So 
He brings you joy, happiness, enjoyment. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring this fun competition. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So go to Locked On Hornets at, uh, on Twitter, right? Go to the, the, the Locked On Hornets um, uh, Twitter tagline, and then you can vote for Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, or if you think Gordon Hayward, maybe you just are PJ Washington, Malik Monk, super fan. Maybe you just want to go with other. I think you'd be wrong, but that's why we put it there. We put another option. Feel free to go vote at Lockdown Hornets on Twitter. We'll talk a little more about LaMelo Ball coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We said it Monday. They lost to the Pips. They didn't lose to Gladys Knight. They lost to the right. Pips. They lost to the backup band. They lost to Steve. Now, granted, depending on the backup band, that this is still an impressive backup band. If it's like Stevie Wonder's backup band, then yeah, it's awesome. But if it's I was like gonna say. Kings, of, <laughs> Kings of Leon backup band, totally different. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend up to 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil, even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Not it seemed like this whole year was a LaMelo Ball evaluation. Yeah, he, yeah. This, this, I mean, a lot of this is easy. A lot yeah. of this is stuff that we've repeated, but we get to basically crystallize it in one giant season-long package in thirty in thirty basically forty minutes or less. So, if, if trying to talk about maybe some of the aspects of his game, we haven't a whole lot. I was trying to dig a, a little bit, and, and I mentioned it at the very beginning of the season. But one aspect of Lamelo's game is how quickly he learns, and I think one of the ways you could tell that was at the very beginning in the, of the season. And I mean, first game to second game to third and fourth. It was as bad of a debut as you could ask for, for LaMelo. Yeah, I, it was. It zero for five from the field, played 16 minutes. He had a goose egg in the points column. He was 0 for three from three-point line. He was 0 for five from the field, as we mentioned. Only had three assists, but he also had three turnovers. He had a couple of steals, okay, but it was a bad debut, and it was a really bad debut for the Hornets also, who lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were getting destroyed. They bring it back to within seven, but that was even misleading. It was not that close until Terry caught flames just to even give them some glimpse of hope. And then the second game, he comes out against Oklahoma City, and he shoots 50% from the field. He goes five of 10, hits a couple three-pointers. Get, grabs five rebounds, only the one assist, but only two turnovers also. So 13 points. And then the first big game that he kind of has is the 22 pointer against Dallas, where he plays 30 minutes, seven of 10 from the field, four or five from three point range, eight rebounds, five assists, only a couple of turnovers. So that was the first one where we're like, okay, there we go. There's the ability from LaMelo. I thought one of the things that he picked up pretty quickly 
maybe within like the first 10 games, LaMelo would drive and then he would leave the floor early um, yes. and maybe not even early. He would just try to force something. He would leave the floor and then on his way down, he still hasn't quite figured out what he wanted to do at the basket. And it might be a turnover or a really tough pass that was ill-advised or the possession would come up empty, but you could see what he was thinking. It's like, all right, he leaves the floor. There's a cutting miles or he's trying to set up Cody and it wasn't quite there. wasn't delivered well enough. And I thought he got that figured out for the most part as the season went on, or at least gotten better, right? Like it's not like yes. he was hundred percent great at it, but I thought that was one of the better things that you could see. That was a problem very early on. And I thought pretty quickly he started to fix that. Um, I thought that was one of the more uh, easy things to notice when LaMelo is soaking all of this knowledge up, having the ability to quickly learn from his mistakes. And it's something James Borrego talked about so much. LaMelo learned so quickly. He's such a basketball savant, so smart at playing the game. And I thought that was something that was pretty noticeable early on. Exactly. You just pointed it out. You nailed what I was going to say is essentially LaMelo figured all of this out on the fly. I think we sometimes take like we lose fact of LaMelo really only had two weeks of camp. Normally, rookies get summer league. They get that first training camp. Then they get a lot more regular. They get a lot more preseason time, almost three weeks of preseason time. And then it's ready to go. He learned a lot of this stuff on the fly. And he basically was slowly spoon fed for the better part of a month, a month and a half. And then it was, okay. let's unleash this kid because of necessity almost. And once he was fully unleashed. He, what he did at, in terms of experimentation, in, in terms of basically being an old soul at the game. Like you hear stuff, you hear stuff that he says, like, I remember um, what he said to Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley and everything. Like he would be watching tapes of P Pistol Pete and Matt, Matt, uh, Magic Johnson, and everybody else. And the fact that his recall is so good, it's just one of those things where he was just. He took, okay, I can do this. I can't do this. And the I can't do this stuff as far as the season went on just started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to the point where, oh, my God, this kid can almost do everything. I just think about some of the, like, the, the heady plays. Like, we should have known something the minute he made Bismack Biombo a viable weapon on offense for, what, about – good three weeks like he would hit no like like i'm saying he would hit him in the one place that bismack biombo wouldn't fumble the ball somehow lamello ball managed to unlock something that no other point guard in the history of basketball managed to do and that's unlock B bismack biombo for easy dunks this that and the third Be and, and it worked for quite a while it made you think hey maybe biz is the one turning the corner no it was lamello LaMelo unlocking and making a guy like that viable so it's not necessarily four on five when you play, played him. He just made things easier for everybody as he went along. And then it then the scoring touch started finally hitting. And when that, did, when that hit, I just continually think, oh, my God, there is no limit for this kid. I still think, oh, my God, there is no limit for this kid, despite the fact of the injury, which – We'll talk about later on because clearly that affected how he played, and we've dug into that before. But the only thing that you ever worry about with this kid 
is if that shot doesn't fall, what is he going to do? And when I say worry, I mean slightly be concerned because he's smart enough to figure out how to operate even if his shot isn't falling. And I'm not worried about the shot nearly as much as probably anyone else is. But to say that he's a savant, I think we're underplaying it somewhat. And I don't know how to do that, how we're saying this kid's a savant. This kid may be the smartest ball player to ever play the game or whatever. But he knows where he is. He knows where to be. And it's almost like he's time traveling at times sometimes with the way he makes So we've mentioned the numbers before he got injured and how good they were as a rookie. And not that they got even better once he was asked to start because they had some injuries. Devontae Graham was banged up. Terry Rozier. I, I don't know about Terry Rozier. I forget about that middle part of the season. I know they only missed a couple of games. But either way, they put LaMelo into the starting lineup after a couple of great games to finish out January. So there were two games in a row, January 29th and January 3rd. 30th against Indiana and against Milwaukee. He scores 16 points and 27 points. He does that on seven of 13, then eight of 10 shooting. He contributes in the rebound department, also in the assist department, has five steals in those two games. And it's like, all right, he's starting to cook. He gets put into the starting lineup that game against Miami, uh, February 1st. So from February 1st to March 20th, he started 21 games, and that was before the injury took place. The last one that he started was the Clippers game where he had the wrist fracture. In those 21 games that he started, he averaged 19.5 points per game on 46% shooting. How about this? 42.6% from three on six attempts per game. He shot 81.1% from the free throw line, all while continuing to average six assists and six rebounds. He did the free throw shooting numbers on three and a half attempts per game. And I think that's going to yeah. go up. I think LaMelo, once he starts to get some strength, starts to attack, learns the game more, I think the free throw attempts are going to go up, which only is going to enhance his game. But not when he was put into the starting lineup, LaMelo took his game to a different level even then. Uh, I mean, you talk about impressive numbers for a rookie. That stat line is pretty exactly bonkers, right until he gets I, it, it's a it's a bonkers stat line for him to come in and contribute that way playing against the better players in the NBA. This is not him stat padding against the second stringers where he's clearly more talented, but he's got to figure some things out. And so he's doing it against the backups. No, he's starting right out of the gate. And also he's doing it with the craziest passes you've ever seen. in a Yeah, no, that, that was. I think that was the thing. Like, he was making winning plays off the bench. He made even more winning plays and unlocked more guys the minute he became a starter. And I think that's where I I, I knew he was special, like, because I just remember me and you being those that are like, yo, we're fine with LaMelo dropping to three, even though you had your crush on De Devin Vassell at the time. Like, I... I was like, we were one of the few, we were like one of the, some of the first LaMelo Ball believers, but I think it would be crazy. I don't think it's like completely out of school to say, you know, we didn't expect this from him starting day one because this wasn't an established. Like the crazy thing is, I think, I don't think people realize that Devontae Graham had a pretty good year and is a pretty good guard. Terry Rozier is a really, really good guard and was especially good this season. For him to crack that lineup was never going to be the simplest task. And people were trying to make it look like it was going to be this easy task, and it wasn't. 
The fact that he did it and then he continued to just take his game to another level. Think about the Phoenix games where, granted, Malik Monk had a bigger effect in the first half, but that second half, that second half was a masterclass by by LaMelo Ball. Like, taking guys off the dribble, like, finding the switches that he would punish, that kind of stuff, that was literally, that's veteran stuff. That's not necessarily, oh my God, I'm a rookie. Like, he made winning plays. He helped win them games. He managed to withstand some of the physicality in those Miami Heat games. Like, there's that. There's the, um, which one is it? The Milwaukee Bucks game, where the Milwaukee Bucks didn't look like they belonged on the same floor as the Charlotte Hornets for two games this year, and LaMelo Ball had a decent portion of, to do with a bunch of it. Like, he took his game to a level I don't think anyone realistically expected this year. And I think when we talk about LaMelo as a starter, that, like that stretch that you're mentioning is one of the biggest reasons why you should feel confident about what he's going to do next year. Yeah, let's continue to talk about LaMelo in the next segment. Maybe even look at his future outlook, what you expect from him, some of the concerns and and some of the things you think are going to get even better. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. The fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action is Bet Online. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. More LaMelo Ball talk coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. You're you welcome. have gone to that in an after-school special show, <laughs> and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. Yes. I, you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because clerk, here's the thing, though. Clerks, clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and, for the most part, about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs or finals coverage now is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I guess unless you're a Milwaukee fan and you saw the Phoenix Suns take Mm -hmm. it to you via the screening action against you last night. Uh, A masterclass from Chris Paul. Awesome to see him successful in game one. Devin Booker, not the greatest shooting night from the field, but got to the foul line, hit all of his free throws. The free throw shooting last night was was. impeccable from Phoenix. I I think their star, I think the whole team only missed one free throw um, and none of those misses were had by Chris Paul, Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton. And not at Mike Budenholzer. He took a lot of criticism last night for switching when he did. And I understand the people defending him um, who discussed, hey, he also got killed in drop coverage, too, because Devin Booker, Chris Paul, the three-point shooting and really the mid-range game, it's too good for you to be successful in drop coverage. They're, they're drop coverage killers, and I get that. I still can't imagine that putting Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis <laughs> on Chris Paul and Devin Booker consistently is something that you can be okay with. And and it's ironic, right? Because we wanted Boonholzer to switch rather than rely so much on sending Brooke Lopez down. But here, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are just picking who they want to defend them. It's, it's Chris, yeah. really, who's saying, I want you to screen for me. I want Pat Connaughton this time. And then he just victimizes Pat Connaughton, you know, 
poor Bobby Portis. I just got was shaking in his boots over there at the three point line while Chris just does a nice little finger roll in the next play. Bobby Portis scared for his life and Chris hits a three in his face, even though honestly that defense wasn't awful. It just gives a little bit of space, but it was too much. Uh, you, you can't have those bigs guarding Chris Paul or Booker at the top of the yeah, screen no. um, or at the top of the key and uh, Budenholzer is going to have well, to make some adjustments. The, and that's the scary part. Budenholzer has to make adjustments and we're not sure he actually will. Like that's the that's the whole thing about Mike Budenholzer is he doesn't he either makes this uh, adjustments late or not at all. So if he's not going to do either one of those, this is a short series. There's a reason Walker Wobb, when we discussed this yesterday, I distinctly said I do not trust the again the Suns have better coaching, better players. This will be over quickly. I do not again last night did not change anything in my mind. Unfortunately, with Brook Lope, like unless you're planning on playing Giannis big minutes at the five, I don't see a remedy for this. And unfortunately, that's the beauty of having the better coaches, the better players, the better scheme is that after a while, once you do that and the and again, this is the other thing. Pick and roll is exactly what the Phoenix Suns do best. And as long as they can keep Aiton out there, it doesn't matter what you what the matchups are going to be right now because there's not really a good matchup for the Bucks. Do I expect a better game in Game Two? Yes, because it's the NBA. But do I expect them to make this a series? I'm really not sure. Yeah, and the other thing is DeAndre Ayton as a dive man makes it just so difficult. I always thought he was going to be a bad matchup, and people, I think, got excited about Brooke Lopez and what he did against Atlanta with his 33-point performance. I was like, no, that's great, and Brooke is a good player still. He's a good player in the NBA. I just think DeAndre Ayton is too much for him. I mean, that's just too much of an athletic big guy that can do some certain things, especially in a role situation with Chris Paul. It's just lethal, and the guy has played so well this entire postseason I, I heard Tim Legler talk about this I think you know, so the thing you can't blame on Boonholzer is Drew Holiday and how poor he's been playing uh, especially last night didn't show up offensively was a problem even defensively I thought was a problem if the Bucks gave too much up to get Drew Holiday and for him to play like that they, they wanted to trade their depth for being top heavy on the roster and how ironic is it too, yeah. right? There's two things soaked in irony. How ironic is it that some people are picking Phoenix because of their depth, because they have guys that can show up like a McHale for one night, like a Cam Johnson or a campaign on top of their stars. And with Milwaukee, it's Giannis and Chris Middleton, hopefully, and Drew Holiday, hopefully. Brooke gave you one game offensively. I guess he scored 17 last night, but here, here they traded depth for top heaviness. And now it's like, uh, Phoenix is supposed to win yeah. because of the depth. It's, it's very, a cruel very world. cruel. It's a cruel world. Very, very, very. Like, because <laughs> I think about it, like, you're right about that. And then also, it's like, I don't want to kill Drew Holiday just yet because he was a decent portion of the reason they got by Brooklyn. Like, th we that's the one thing I think we keep forgetting is that Drew Holiday. Well, I think at the end, right? He, he had, had some, some clutch yeah, moments, some if clutch I'm not moments, mistaken. And he provided just enough resistance. The problem is, unfortunately, like that it got you that far. It's not probably not going to carry you over the hump. And then if that's the case, what do you do next year? Because Brooklyn's only going to get stronger. And 
Well, and, and right. Well, and look, here's something I've also talked about. I want to talk more about Lamella yeah. before we end. So we'll get to it in a second. But one thing I, I'll mention, you know, this is Milwaukee's best mm-hmm. opportunity, uh, right? Like it's gotta be, it, it can't, it can't be next year. You don't have first round picks to continue to rely on that. Uh, you've got, you've got the roster at at the helm right now. And you got to face Brooklyn depleted. You got to face Atlanta, which clearly even with Ben Simmons refusing to shoot, I can't imagine Milwaukee would have chosen Philadelphia at the beginning of that series instead of Atlanta. Here you have, maybe you would have chosen the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, but if Kawhi Leonard was playing, which there was rumblings that maybe he could come back. I have to imagine they would have chosen Phoenix too, instead of a Kawhi and Paul George Clippers. This seems to be the shot for them. And if they don't win it now, it's it's over. It's a wrap. Like, like at that point, that's a, you know what they are? If they don't win this, they're the Detroit Pistons of the mid two thousands post that them beating the Lakers. Like you have, like just, no, without, just without the championship, the championship if Detroit you know, gets like run the yeah, against the Lakers. Ne- like they're always going to be the gatekeepers. Like, do you- Well, I'll tell you who they are. Nada, they're the Indiana Ooh, Pacers. Yeah. Oh, that's True. who they are. The Pacers get to the Lakers in 2000 and they lose in six games. And here they are maybe as the best team in the league at Malice at the Palace and everybody gets suspended and Indiana, their shot is down the drain. Here they are going against LeBron James and company, take them to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals and then they're out. The Pacers never had the expectations that Milwaukee did. Milwaukee's got a two-time MVP. They've got a defensive player of the year. Uh, so that they had that and Paul George was the best player for the Pacers, but they're accomplishing the same things in a, in a long, long stretch. So yeah, I, yeah, that's what it is for them. All right, let's get to Melo LaMelo real quickly. I I wanted to say a couple of other things on him. Now you talked about the shot and, and maybe how that might be a concern for some people moving forward. Yeah. I'm I'm not not one that has what, well, you're not one of them. I'm not one that has cemented his shooting ability as being all the way real. You know, this is, I, I, I feel good enough about it. I certainly feel a lot <laughs> better than I did pre-draft. I was scared. Look, like when we talk about where we were on LaMelo entering the draft, I think most people knew, um, you know, I tweeted it out. I always thought he was a really good yeah. fit, right? Even despite us having Rogier, Monk, and Graham, having a big guard that facilitates, I always thought that was going to be an excellent fit. I tweeted that out on draft night. I was excited about the popcorn plays. That was always going to be fun. His his skill set as a defender, I mean, at least the the potential, right? Just having the long body, being smart enough to anticipate. I always liked him fine enough as a prospect. I just thought the concerns were really there. It, mm-hmm. it scared That's me fair. enough. And, you know, it might have made me panic enough to, if the right offer was on the table, trade down. And I was certainly a fan of exploring that. But, yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, you know, bleep that. Like, yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, LaMelo's awesome. Um, the shooting ability, though, Nada. I th- I think this is probably where we're going to be with him. You know, 35 to 37. Maybe there's a down year here and there where he goes 34. Um, I think that's probably where you're going to be in the shooting range from distance with LaMelo ball. I do think he gets to the free throw line a lot more. Like I expect that 3.2 attempts per game this season to go up. I expect him to be a better finisher at the rim as he continues his journey in the NBA, but the shooting numbers, like I don't expect them to get a ton better 
from distance from what they were here. Do you think that's fair? What do you, what do you expect his shooting no, I think to be you're, in the future? I think you're right, and I think even if he shoots 33 34% from three, I'm not sure it matters because he's only going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get more calls. That's going, that's going to offset any yeah. sort of – again, you got to remember that when it comes to the NBA, it's about can my unicorns slay your dragons? And at this point, LaMelo Ball is a unicorn. I'm sorry. Like, can he, can he, uh, can his matchup problems just disrupt a whole lot of other stuff? And at this point, he's going to disrupt a lot of stuff because he's only going to get bigger in terms of bulk and you're not going to be able to move him. And then on top of that, he's still smarter than you, most likely. So he's going to know. The, the right play two, three plays ahead, and there are very few people in the league that you can say do that. So it's now just about – that's why I'm not worried about the shot. If it becomes a point where he doesn't have the burst to get to the hole as quickly, okay, yeah, I can see that being a problem. But for right now, I'm not worried about the jump shot. The jump shot can stay exactly the same on more attempts, like you're saying, and I'm still not worried. He's got to, for me, he's got to take like a sub 30% dip from three for me to be like, okay, this is a concern. Because for what he does, for the matchup nightmare that he presents right now, I'm not worried. He can do what he can do. And and yeah. we'll just leave it at that. No, I'm with you, Nada. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I thought there were some moments before I, before the draft, I thought that we, we could maybe expect some just dreadful, dreadful shooting numbers for long periods of time. I don't think you're going to get that as much. It doesn't mean that he's not uh, it, immune to a slump. I mean, certainly he could have the shooting slumps that last for maybe a half a month or maybe even longer. You know, Terry Rozier experienced that, and he's one of the more elite catch and shooters in the NBA. But LaMelo, to me, I, I think... I feel fine with him at least reaching 34 and providing a lot of other positive things in different areas of the box score to where, yeah, he's still going to be uh, a very, very good basketball player. The other things that one other thing he needs to improve on, he needs to be way more disciplined on defense. Yeah. Hopefully that'll come right. I mean, he, he wants to make the hero play on defense. Hopefully he it stays where he's supposed to understands the rotations a little more. And he's smart enough, as you've mentioned a million times to figure that out. That's something that needs to improve, but guess what? That's something that needs to improve with every single rookie that's ever played an NBA game. So I don't have any problems about that lasting in the future. It's just something that needs to be addressed. The other thing that I love uh, a couple of things on the positive we haven't talked about one, clearly his confidence is sky high. That also makes me believe in his shooting more. So um, the dude doesn't care, you know, and, yeah. and, and in a good way too. It's not in a, where, where the shot selection is just so awful. He, he, he had some bad shots. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like he, he takes some bad shots every once in a while for sure, but the confidence it, it's a good level of confidence and also not a, nobody should ever question his motor. I, I love his motor on both ends and it makes me laugh. Like even at the beginning of the season where he'll take an inbounds pass and then sprint down the floor all out and just make the defense scramble like, oh, hell, okay, uh, uh, boom, 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 where's the basketball? Oh, man, it's in the hole because he passed it to somebody else that was slightly open, somebody's late on a rotation or just recognizing who their guy is, 
and Lamella would get you maybe a bucket mm-hmm. a game like that and where you're just caught off guard. I, I love that thing from Lamella where even if he doesn't quit, right? Like you're down yeah. 10 and he's too naive to give up and just let the game play out. So he comes in and hits a, a 35 footer. I forget what game that was, uh, was, it what the Clippers? That was but it's like, oh, I, I don't think maybe no, well, it was. No, I'm not no, sure. No, it wasn't the Clippers. But, Clippers. They were never really in it. I do remember the game you're talking about. I can't. Not the one that he got hurt, yeah. but either way, like he, he hits a three, he steals it <laughs> and he hits a three and it's like, oh, they're within five with like 10 seconds. Like, okay, I guess, I guess it's not completely over, even if it's still over. And so I love, I love that naivety. I love the motor from LaMelo. And yeah, I no, it's one of those too. things like his, his temperament is perfect for the league. He's going to do just fine. And he's, he's like the only guy that you don't really kind of worry about barring injury. Like the injury is not something that w- that's going to be permanent. It's not going to hold him back. And he's currently working in the gym right now. Like he's not the guy you were like of everybody in the locker room right now. He's the one guy, maybe Miles Bridges is the other that I'm not worried about in terms of developing going into next year. It's everybody else at this point. There are a lot more people with a lot more questions. And thankfully, we have a lot more player capsules to go through with all of this. We sure do. We sure, sure do. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for your support, as well as Michelob Ultra. Always appreciate them for supporting the show, which reminds me, go to our Twitter handle, at Locked On Hornets. Vote for who you think deserves the Michelob Ultra Player of the Year. Is it Miles Bridges? Is it Terry Rozier? Is it LaMelo Ball? Or do you just want to throw a wrench in our plans and say other? We did give it as an option, so feel free to click it. Again, that's at Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. A couple of other things. We do appreciate everybody that sent in questions to the at Locked On Hornets Twitter handle. So we will give you a mailbag episode at some point this week. We have enough questions in the bag to do so. Thanks again for doing that. And uh, and also make sure you tune in tomorrow for another player capsule. I don't know who it is, but we'll just make it a surprise. So the only way you can find out is if you listen. Stay tuned here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Once again, have a great rest of your day.